everybody. This is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. Garrett. And I'm David. And we have a special guest again. again. Nikki's here. I forgot I get to introduce myself. I was like, oh, wait, Nikki. That's that's me. Are you? I don't know. We're back with the second Fantastic Beast movie. We talked about Fantastic Beasts and where to find the next week or last week. And today we're talking about The Crimes of Grindelwald, the, uh, the sequel. Our conversation last week turned into like a conversation about the whole franchise. And yeah. now I think it's fine to continue that since this this is the movie where it blows things up into a larger story than the first one did let's just do the same order we did this time and start with david as the resident non I give a quick synopsis of the movie if you or somebody can just because it's been a while i'll let david do that too while he's talking okay Okay, so yeah, here we are, six months later from the events of the first film. We begin movie opens with Grindel Grindelwald. Am I saying that right? In prison, he has had to have his guards changed out because he's so dead gum persuasive. That pasty dude, and he uh, he escapes his prison. I'll tell you what, twenty sixteen, good year for prison escapes. They always, you know, you can't blame the staff of the wizarding world they hadn't seen halloween yet they don't know that the worst way the for the quickest way to lose a prisoner is to transport and so grindelwald gets away and then he begins his crimes mostly of which is stoking a, a wizard versus human war um not even really like really all wizards but pure blood wizards it's very there's a lot of there's a lot of aryan nazi themes here with the pure blood wizards they shouldn't have to follow the rules. It's theirs for the taking. Humans, he's very quick, though. It's very modern politician, too. He's like, the humans, I don't want to get rid of them. They have their place. Anyway, so he's on his quest to do that. We learned that Credence, as played by Ezra Miller from the previous movie, he's still alive. We didn't talk about that enough last week, his whole obscurial thing, but he's still alive, and he has this mysterious past that they're trying to figure out. Meanwhile, Newt, is uh, sort of roped into the adventure by both the Ministry of Magic, who want him to go find this Obscurial, and then, after he denies doing that, roped in by good old Albus Dumbledore. That's right, the old wizard from the previous movies who ate earwax and stuff like that. He's here, played by the, as some might say, yummy Jude Law, and he is filling out that suit in all kinds of good ways. So people are really excited about that aspect of the movie, I understand. Quick question. Um, Did you just say that Dumbledore ate earwax? Yeah, he ate. They remember in the very first it one? It was a jelly bean. Jelly beans that tasted like earwax. That's the thing. He goes, last time I ate this, it was vomit. And he eats it. He goes, earwax, great. Like he ate bad luck with the jelly beans. So anywho, that's what I stand out in my mind. Anyhow, okay. and then the movie goes on. Newt, Newt has tries to find Credence. Everybody's trying to find Credence. He's this mythical thing that they're trying to figure out. And uh, Jacob is back. Queenie, who we didn't talk about last week any, really. Mm -hmm. Queenie is the sister of Tina, and they get involved. And like we talked about last, we talked about this last week, if you accept it. At the end of the movie, he was obliviated, so to speak. But the obliviation only takes away bad memories. And he had no bad memories of his adventures with wizards. So he he remembers. And isn't that sweet? And uh, so the team's back. The beasts are back. But it's really about this growing struggle between Grindelwald and the wizarding world and this impending war and the secret of Credence and who he is 
actually the brother or sister or, or son or daughter of whoever he might be. And yeah, that's, that is your synopsis. Excellent. For me, this movie, watching the two back to back the way I did yesterday or the other day was, I think made this more, made this one better. If I had watched this in 2018, having not watched the other one in two years, I probably would have been sitting there going like, what is going on? And really confused and, and, and really disappointed. Watching them back to back, it was like, I remembered threads as they went along and things were, it was really easy to follow. So I feel like I had the benefit of getting to see them in that way. It feels like the middle. And I know we say that about a lot of movies. We say that about a lot of second movies and franchises. The climax of this one is a, it's a rally, which isn't necessarily the most rousing climax, but it has stakes. There are, there's like, it's emotional. There, there's a lot of things. I thought that Zoe Kravitz as Lita Lestrange was a very interesting character. And I felt like they did a very interesting job of unveiling her story through the film. I thought it was pretty cleverly foreshadowed and then the reveals come in, but it does feel like, it does feel like the movie tries a little too hard to make a mystery. Like it's really trying to like make you think this way and then pull the rug up from under you and then no oh, wait did you have your feet set because we're gonna pull the rug again like it feels like it really wants you to be obsessed with the mystery of it and again it was another time of i'm mostly just honestly i'm mostly just wrapped up in now newt and jacob and dumbledore because i thought that dumbledore as played by jude law was actually a refreshing ad into the movie and i thought that Jacob and Newt were again like they they pick up right where they leave off in terms of how just how they seem like good but good guys still Ezra Miller still puts me off every time he's on the screen, um, so I I like this one a little less, but I don't think I hated it as much as I I know some people have come down on it because watching them back to back like that really I think helped me appreciate the threads a little. Bit. <clears throat> I think. We look at this, or I look at this one as the the Age of Ultron in the Avengers franchise. Like it's laying a lot of groundwork, and I can see that it's laying a lot of groundwork. But again, I I think we we talked about it last week, where this whole franchise I think suffers from only one person knows the story, and these movies alone don't stand and stand on their own. They're all going towards a bigger thing, and so I don't know what that is, and like. You're the first one. Okay. You're introducing to me the characters. You're fine. Laying the characters and I'm supposed to be connecting with them and enjoying what they're doing. And I, the, the second one is building towards that conflict of something, but like with Harry Potter, you can get away because I know, but I don't know what's coming here and you're build your I, this payoff better be good <laughs> because that's, I think where these movies struggle is with Avengers, they can get away because they're giving me things in between. They're giving me things enough to fill in the story and build towards them that I can see what is happening. With Harry Potter, I know what is being was being built towards because it's already a thing that's been built. This is something that is brand new and fresh, and I think it struggles because it's going to be so expansive. It really does seem like it should be a miniseries rather than a movie series because these movies I don't feel like can stand alone, especially this one because it's building off of something that's brand new. And into something that's unknown. And we won't, and, and I think it lays really good groundwork to where after I see it, I'm really intrigued. But man, it doesn't happen until that last third of the movie where I'm like, okay, I really understand what you're doing. I just wish it didn't take you a movie and a half to get there. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nikki, what'd you think? I wanted to like it. I wanted to like it so much. I am one of the people that David was referring to who thinks that Jude Law is very dreamy and he knows that. And actually, you two know that too. We've talked about my, we my crush on Jude Law. Jude Law is dreamy, okay? Yeah. Ten out of I mean, ten. I'm we'll saying... watch Dumbledore again. And I do think that he does a fantastic job. I was very excited when they announced that he was cast because I thought it was another one of those times. There have been some times in the Harry Potter universe where a casting decision happened and it just makes sense. One of the big ones, uh, and I know everybody thinks it, is Helena Bottom Carter as Bellatrix Lestrange. That was one that when they announced, I got violently angry with myself that I didn't think of that first because it is, it is perfect casting. And I think Jude Law as young Dumbledore is very good casting. And I really wanted to like it. We did not get to watch this one in theaters featuring our kid here. It's very important that his opinion is known too. Sit back for a second. We didn't get to see this one in theaters. And Garrett, I don't know if you will remember this, but after it uh, came out, you did get to see it in theaters and you were over at our house for something. And we asked what you thought of the movie. And you said, you have to think of this as the second act in a three act play. If you think about it as... Yeah. If you think about it as the second act in a three-act play, you're going to have a better time. Uh, this is going to go better for you. If you remember, this is not the end. They're not going to answer all your questions. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. So I tried, I got to see it when it came out on DVD that spring. I rented it at Redbox to fuel my Jude Law crush. And sorry, I, we, we, I watched it and I thought of it as the second act in a, in a three-act play. And I think thinking about it like that helped. I do. I think it helped. I think it helped to dispel that. Yeah, I was going to say, can you come help for a second? I think it helped to dispel some of that dissatisfaction that a lot of other people felt not really wanting to think about it like that. Um, but I will say that doesn't mean I'm completely satisfied. I think the Little Strange story, um, in, a, in a very similar, just an overall theme for uh, the Fantastic Beasts movie, it's a story that I appreciated getting to hear and was a nice story to get to know. But why in this film? Why was this the place to talk about it? Um, and the and the whole story with what happened with her family and Corvus and getting into all of that. I think I've I think I, I've seen this movie five times now, and I'm still not sure that I completely understand where all of that came from. And the ending, I think, is very interesting. I don't do, are you guys wanting to save that discussion for theories? Or are we pausing for the theory discussion? No, it just, it's, a, it's free for all now, I think. Okay, then I'm gonna flat out say, I don't believe Grendelwald. I don't believe him. Think about what happened moments before he tells Crevis in those final 90 seconds. Think about what happened. Queenie tells Grendelwald you're going to have to, you're going to have to convince this guy. He's not sure that he did the right thing. He's not sure that this works the way that, that he thought it was going to. You're going to need to do something to convince him that this was the right call. And what does Renovald do? Conveniently gives him a family and a backstory and a home. And you may be thinking to yourself, oh, but the phoenix shows up. Okay, 
this wizard who's been able to do all of this other magic, you're going to tell me that he wasn't conveniently able to make it seem as if a phoenix appeared? So I just, it's a convenient plot. I don't buy it. I think that's the problem with a lot of this franchise is going to have is that at this point in time, I think that people don't necessarily have a good taste in their mouth coming out of this one. If I remember, I don't think that this one was well received. And so I think that they're going to have a long-term problem of getting people to a remember the story in a way that is understandable. I think again, people will still go see it, but I think people will be a little bit lost as to what they are going to, uh, be expecting versus what they are going to receive. Yeah. I think that in my watching of uh, rewatching of these two, I've been very unsatisfied. I think that in the moments of being delivered the movies, I'm really excited about it. And the hype is really cool because it's really cool in the theater experience. But both of these times, for both of these movies, I have been not sucked in. The magical whimsy is gone. And the plot is not really getting me enough. It's, I guess the best way that I can say it is that I'm just curious enough. I wouldn't say that I'm excited. I wouldn't say that I'm looking forward to, I just want it to be done. Like, I'm invested enough to continue this ride, but I really wanted to speak. I think this is speaking from not having uh, a book series that sold millions of, millions of copies and all that. But I think this might be a, sh- a sign of a weakness in Rowling's strengths as a screenwriter. This is She's at least co-writing these screenplays, which she did not do with the Harry Potter film series. And these are not based on existing stories like we've already, or they are based on. These stories weren't written in a book. So these aren't adaptations like Harry Potter. So I think there is some weakness from Rowling in there because there's a lot going on in this movie and it's too much. I remember the first time I saw it in theaters, I, I had the same reaction to the first one where I was taken in by the visual effects of the big screen stuff and all that. It doesn't, it also loses some of that luster for me watching it at home on television. And a a key thing that I noticed was that the first movie and the second movie, there's only one minute difference in the runtime, but the second movie seems a lot longer, but Fantastic Beast was two hours and 12 minutes and Crimes of Grindelwald was two hours and 13 minutes. So it's only one minute longer, but it dragged, I thought. And so, and I think it's because it didn't feel like the pacing was right. It didn't feel like the story was solid because we were just like going in a bunch of different rat tales. I don't know. There's a lot happening and it does feel like a middle, a story in the middle of a story. It doesn't, it's not self-contained, I guess. It definitely should be, it should be a example to other directors, especially in the, in the superhero or in the blockbuster genre that you can get a lot done in two hours, two hours and one minute. You can get a lot of story. Yeah. Again, and this is what I think we talked about. We brought a lot of baggage in last week to last week or last week's show. This is what we were talking about though, with the this impending doom that they're like building towards. It really sucks kind of the, what could be the fun of this franchise out a little bit. A good point because. In the Harry Potter film series, the impending doom 
takes a long time to build. The first three films are still largely fun. There's not a lot of fun in these. They're fun, but it's still guys. A lot of laughing and learning in those first two to two to four, even Harry Potter books until Voldemort in this stuff, then things. Yeah, get Jacob Kowalski is the the fun deliverer of the first one, and then there's so much drama going on with him that even his level of fun is just man, he's still got some stuff going on. Like it, there's absolutely nobody that is like in a positive situation in this Harry Potter movie. All of the magical whimsy that you expect from or fantastic beasts and where to find them is nowhere to be found in this movie. There is no magical whimsy at all to be found. And speaking of Jacob, I gotta get on my my soapbox for a minute here, and because I'm not gonna tell J.K. Rowling how to write her own stories, but that's not how that obliviate spell works. You don't just only remember or only forget bad memories. Yeah. Well, no, you've obliviated too many people in your previous books. <laughs> To make me believe that they only had well, bad memories. Hey, I'm going to get you. Because the thing was, they didn't use a traditional Obliviate spell, remember? Oh, you're going to catch me on a technicality? I don't Obliviate care. Venom. They used a Venom from Sweeping Evil. Sweeping Evil of some sort. It has oblibitative uh, abilities. And uh, so it only it, erased the bad memories. like, why did you even do it? Uh, it's know? like they created a thing just so they could have an out. At the yeah, end. Well, I saw a review. We talked... David, I think you said that because of this review that we that we watched after we after I saw because he didn't watch it with me the first time I saw it. I saw a review uh, for the Curse of Grindelwald that talked about how that was just something she always did in the books. Like she would come up with some sort of newfangled magic to erase her previous problems. Like in the fourth one, she invents the idea of a port key. And then poof, who uses a port key in the climax, but Voldemort. So it's just kind of something that she does again and again is uses magic to er erase her previous mistakes. Yeah, I'm really interested. I, I do think that, again, we talked about the this last week. I think that if whatever they're building towards, I think that they need to adjust their model moving forward because... We can all probably agree that in some way, shape, or form, the Harry Potter content machine is going to continue pumping out something. And I think that they either need to reevaluate their strategy because I, as a fan, am, again, just invested enough to continue the journey, but I would really like to not feel like this was Harry Potter. I really don't want this to be that. So I would, there's so many different roads that you can take. And I think that either taking a different route movie-wise and focusing it on completely different stories or a different type of uh, genre, make it more magical, more whimsy, more fun, or visit the long-term series format. Because I do think that this, again, story, like we mentioned, that they're trying to tell could be different and an equally intriguing story from New Scamander and Fantastic Beasts. And I think that they're trying to tie certain things together. And I think it's just becoming a little convoluted. So again, I think that a lot of people will continue down this road, but I wonder how many people are invested in the story because of the fact there is so much going on. And we, again, don't have a previous context for stuff. So you we know, have to remember as fans going in, like it's a, a whole book novel, like this is like books, but in movie form, we don't know where it's going, but we, this feels like, again, 
chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, building towards something. And I just don't know if that's a model that works. This is a, this is, this kind of gets a little complicated because a creator's work is their work and they should get to do whatever they want with it. But I also wonder if she were open to it, <laughs> if JK Rowling is almost becoming a problem for Harry Potter in the same way that George Lucas became a problem for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And maybe we need other voices to help tell these stories is what I yeah. would position. I think definitely. If she were willing, I would never want to tell anyone that it should be taken from her. But it's, I don't know, maybe a different voice, maybe movies, Joe, aren't your strong suit. And there is a, there's a, there's such a difficulty when it comes to the same person after so much time is that you get used to their eccentricities. And they're, because they, like, when you bring up, like, George Lucas, for an ex for example, like, a lot of the same things are there in the prequels that are in, like, the original films. But somehow, I don't know, somehow things just didn't quite translate in every way. And I feel like some of that's going on here. You see she's really dependent on this idea of the last second reveal, like, the last second, like, to-be-continued type finish. And a lot of movies have that, but I don't know, it just... Uh, all right. So I am reading here. She is co-writing at the very least on the third film. Still, I can I, very I, much. I can very well see the whole series. Yeah, very well this is, see a few years from now. I'm I'm more wondering like movies in, from different people in terms of expanding the universe. Yes, could maybe some other writers be brought in? Yeah, and I think that's the key. I I am intrigued by several different things because what what could have Noose Commander been in a different voice? It would have been someone again more Jurassic Park style esque someone who's brought Jacob Kowalski into this world and they're searching and discovering this world of ma magic beasts as he's writing his book. That is a world of, that I would be intrigued by he's setting out to find these creatures to save them, which is mentioned in the first one, but we don't really get that. We don't get that mission. And then it turns into this, it, it pivots to where I'm not, again, sure how I'm supposed to, I feel like I'm supposed to be rooting for Dumbledore as opposed to Nip. Yeah. Like he was set up. I, the yeah. It was set up with a premise that it seems like they've lost track of because it's not. It's you no know, longer the Fantastic Beast. There's a war coming. There's exactly. No, there's no Fantastic Beast. There was one evil what? dragon that they caught at the beginning of this movie, but outside of that, the whole Fantastic Beast element is gone. Yeah. From what I can tell, and I don't know how they bring it back. I think that's. I think that's the issue. Is the series is now Fantastic Beast colon whatever the next movie. Dumbledore's is. Army. And it doesn't feel like it's Fantastic Beast. On that note, what do you guys feel? David and I talked about this on the way um, up here, or on the way, uh, not up here, but we talked about this after we watched the, the, the movie and getting ready for this. What do you guys feel about Nagini being in this movie? What are your thoughts on that? I think it makes a lot of sense from the perspective of a fantastic beast nature. Again, the whole idea that I want from this is that there's this world of magical beings, and I feel like Nagini fits that. And, and so that is a backstory that I think is super interesting. And again, it ties it into a world that I as fans can recognize and familiarize with, and it connects it just enough, but it delivers it in a different way. And I'm learning something cool and new, and it makes sense to Newt's mission. So I think that was a nice way to take it. But again, I just wish that the, the delivery was different, but I do think that is a fun incorporation that could have right. been really well done. Just, I think, the again, from a different perspective. 
Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I was excited the first time I saw it because it's okay. Nikini, that is a character I'm familiar with, but I'm not familiar with them as a human. So that was exciting. I like that element. It is, I, just, I just don't know what the overall purpose is yet, is the thing. Is okay. It's cool that she's there, but now why is she there? Yeah. What yeah. Are doing? Where are we taking this? Because uh, are we just ultimately still leading toward like, so the, I bring it right back to Star Wars, the prequels with the birth of Darth Vader. Is this going to end with the birth of Voldemort? Because I'm going to be bummed. You know, that's what I actually told David was what I didn't like about it was I said, here's the thing. I said, the idea, Garrett, just before what you said, the idea is very interesting and it, it is a fantastic, but that, that is a very cool idea. And I can get behind that idea. I don't, and I would even be okay if they introduced a character like that and it left us to conclude, oh, okay, that's, that, you know, Nagini was one of those things. Like that, I would be okay with that. I don't like that it's specifically Nagini. And the reason I say that is one, it feels like another like shoehorn attempt to remind us this is the same universe yeah. that I don't know that we needed. And it's also Nagini Voldemort's pet snake is a bad guy. And she's right now not. Right. So are we gonna see this turn to becoming a villain? And why is that something that we need right now? Yeah, it, I, do, yeah. I do feel like it's definitely it's very building towards a Voldemort. So it almost, it almost has to be. Yeah. She's going to yeah. turn because she loves Credence. And we've already seen one character. We saw Queenie turn in this movie for the most part. She's, this is good. Here's a dark turn for you. She's like a Nazi now, but she's like a Nazi who's, I'm not for murder of Jews. I just think Germans are more important than everyone else. That's kind of, that's where she is. She's like, we should be able to do what we want. Yeah. You know, I don't. Other people do the killing. But like we saw that in this movie, we saw a good guy turn into a bad guy in this movie. Maybe she'll turn back by the third one. Who knows? But it's going to be, but I, like it almost has to be building towards that thing. And this idea that Credence is this, uh, I still don't even really understand the premise of the Obscurial. He is like a being of suppressed magic energy or, or something like that, who also might be Dumbledore's brother or son or cousin brother is location so i don't think gonna... i'm not thinking son i don't know i don't know what you guys we'll but... find out we'll find out yeah. but yeah it's it, it's there's it's such a it's such a there's so much more scope or it's a bigger scale story than i think yeah that i think it's again i think that's just why they just need to rethink their model but this really have no idea what what kind of box office did it do, David? Real quick. Uh, yeah, man, time flies, doesn't it? Did you jump back to 2018, and it does it, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. But I'm about to read a list of movies, and really, these movies are four years old almost now. Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald opened basically two years to the date after its predecessor opened on November 16th, 2018. It was the number one movie at the box office that weekend, bringing in 61 2.1 million. So. About like a fifteen percent drop from its pre from its predecessor. In the number two spot, you had The Grinch, which does not feel like a four year old movie. I feel like that movie came out last year. This is the animated Grinch movie with Benedict Cumberbatch in the Despicable Me style. Yeah. Then at number three, you had Bohemian Rhapsody. At number four, you had Instant Family, which brought in fourteen million. And number five, twenty eighteen was a pretty massive year for the box office in general. 
since Fantastic Beasts would go on to bring in 159 million in the United States, 495 million overseas for 650 million dollars worldwide. Let me see. It finished for 2018. It finished in the number 20 spot on the year. Number one movie that year was Black Panther, which brought in an absurd 700 million dollars in the U.S. Um, Avengers: Infinity War brought in 678 million. Incredibles 2 in the number three spot. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in the number four spot. And then Aquaman was a number five movie in the U.S. that year. And again, these are domestic numbers. I don't really do international numbers anymore. I can if I were to have, be asked to. But 2018, man, you go down the list, it's like franchise mode is in full, full, is in full force in sure. 2018. It's just franchise after franchise after franchise. The highest grossing original concept movie that year technically would probably be Bohemian Rhapsody, but... After that, you get on to like a quiet place, things like that. Yep. Star is Born was even a remake. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's it for the box office stats. Josh, let's let's do those letterbox words or Garrett, maybe whoever won last week. I don't know. Well, I'll, let me read you a few fun ones first, uh, like we do. And these, I think, are again, come back to what we've been talking about here. You got a two and a half star review here that just says, JK Rowling, take a break from writing, challenge. Two stars. Did Johnny Depp really vape out of a skull or did I hallucinate that? And then two and a half stars, watching these movies is hooking up with an ex. I keep doing it because I think I miss them, but really, the thing I miss left us both long ago. <laughs> Ouch. Yep. So with that, <laughs> yes, Garrett, you won last week. You want to run this? Go for it. I, have, I see it here. Okay. Looking at my face, what do we got for guesses? I'm gonna guess two seven two seven. Yeah, two I'm gonna seven. guess. I'm gonna guess a two six. A two six for David. Oh wait, you said two seven. Oh, I did. He did. I'm gonna go right underneath you. Then. I'm gonna say two nine. Two nine. Mm. A little less optimism than you had last Could week. Be. I warned you. Ah, <laughs> it dropped pretty hard. It, we do have an exact winner again. Oh, exact winner. Pretty good again. I feel like we need to keep a tally of who gets the most. Uh, that could be a fun little end that to the trivia at the end there. Mr. Josh with a 2.7. All right. Two I knew I was out at Mr. I was like, huh, oh, well, that's true. <laughs> I would have been a dead giveaway. I'm, for me, this is another one that fell. It's a, I'm going to give it a generous two and a half only because I'm intrigued by how they're going to finish it. But I wonder how long they can keep my interest if I keep walking away going. But yeah, oh, yeah. I, I'm going to agree with you. And since I gave the last one a three, I think I'm going to have to lower the, this one to a two and a half. I don't want to go farther down than that yet, but that's where I'm going to uh, Nikki, what do you think? I got to think on it for a few more seconds. <laughs> You guys only do like zeros and point fives. I can't do a three fourths. I can't do a point seven five. Unfortunately, right. yeah. You can if you want. You're our guest, so we will give you power as uh, that's true. As other that we don't. I have neutrality. Yeah. I'm gonna give it a two and three quarter stars. Two point seven five. It's not a three star movie for me. But the performances are still really good. So for me, I, I can't go all the way to two and a half because I do think Jude Law does very, really well. We didn't get to talk about it, but I actually did end up kind of liking Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. I, the choices that they made, 
I wasn't super, I wasn't super for at the end of one, just because I didn't like losing Colin Farrell, but I did like the direction that Johnny ended up taking it. And I think that the dynamic between Jude Law and Johnny Depp is an interesting one. And I think the performances from everybody else were, and especially Zoe Kravitz, I thought she was fantastic. We didn't really just talk about her or who played Newt's brother. I can't remember his name, but he was great too. We didn't get to talk about, we didn't talk about characters at all, man. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm talking too much, but I, it's, it, the performances were too good for me to say a two and a half. I'm going to say two points up. Okay. David, you have yeah. been a minute. I'm going to say two and a half. Uh, two and a half. Man. Okay. I think that puts us pretty much pretty close to in line with the letter. But like, I'm interested though. I'm I I'm, I want to see the third one. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, better we, be good. we will talk about it on this show, which you should subscribe to at so many sequels.com where you can find links to all of our other things as well. So we'll see y'all next week. Bye.